If it's Thursday, it's Dr. P on the pod. Thank you for joining me today. It's another great Thursday. And I'm going to jump right into my conversation with my guest today, Dr. Thomas Lavis. He is the Dean of the School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine at Tulane University down in New Orleans. I cannot wait to get started with my conversation with this brother. He's going to be talking about the skin you're in. He is recognized, Dr. Lavis is recognized as a national and a global leader on issues related to inequity and health. Now he does a major, uh, a major, he's a video, he's coming up with a book on the skin you're in, public health and the skin you're in. Why do black people, why do we have all, why, when you're talking about the alarming rates of any disease, we know we're getting ready to talk about black folks. Alarming rates of diabetes, alarming rates of HIV, alarming rates of cancer, alarming rates of Alzheimer's, alarming rates of lupus, alarming rates, alarming rates, you name it, we're talking about black folks. So I'm going to jump out and let's jump right into our conversation with Dr. Lavise and talk about the skin you're in. Because James Brown said, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. So Dr. Lavise, tell me, what does my skin color got to do with it? Mm-hmm, you got it. It's Thursday and it is Dr. P on the pod. I want to talk with you just a few minutes about you know, the skin you're in, your, your, your documentary, your book to come, you know, and just what, what are just some tips that black folks uh, need to hear today about being black and the burden of health on us? What do we got to do? What do we got to understand? Well, first, let me thank you for inviting me to be at the conference and also on your, on your podcast. Thank uh, you. I'm here with Dr. P. So. Dr. <laughs> if it's Thursday, it's Dr. P. Okay. Pod. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, very uh, grateful for the opportunity to talk to you about this topic that I care so much about. So the question you asked me is like, what, what do black folk need to know? And there's a lot to that, to that question. Um, and you know, when, whenever I talk about this, I always like to first address the things that are in the front of most people's minds, or if not the back, which is that there's this genetic thing, you know, sugar runs in our family. No, what runs in your family is the diet that leads to the diabetes, not the actual gene that produces diabetes. And so we can, and um, so I, I, I put that out there, but it's, but it's not genes. It's not just that, it's just not, it's not just poverty. It's not just access to health care. Because I want people to understand that if it's genes, if it's about poverty, it's hard to change poverty. It's hard to change your genes. You can't change your genes, right? So what you need to do is, if you accept those explanations as the explanation for why we have these health problems, then that leaves you nowhere to go, nothing to do. And I try to, to address that issue and say, it's not those things that you, most people think it is. It's actually something else. And what the something else is, is basically, uh, summing up by saying racism. Mm -hmm. It's not race, it's racism. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that as a society, we have decided that race has a meaning and that meaning is negative for African-Americans. And so we get treated a certain way, we treat each other a certain way, 
we wind up living in certain communities where we have access to, um, where we have exposures to, to, to things that um, negatively impact your health, and we don't have access to things that we need to protect our health. So it's really about where you live, it's about what you do, you know, what behaviors you engage in, and it's about how people treat you. You know, when you say uh, it's about where you live, you know, it's, I'm sure that uh, there's so many people listening say, now what can I do about where I live? I can't, mm -hmm. I can't move, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been living in big, big, in big mama's house since big mama's been living, or I've been mm -hmm. living in this neighborhood since forever, you know. Uh, so talk to that person who's saying right now, well, where am I going to go? Mm -hmm. yeah, I can barely pay the rent right here. What right. am I going to do? So if you can't move to a healthier environment, then you need to learn how to be healthier in the environment that you have. Mm -hmm. So that means that's when the health behavior becomes more important. You need to understand what it means to eat a healthy diet. So there are a lot of myths about that too, about what is healthy. Mm -hmm. You need to live a lifestyle where you're protective of your health, where you're thinking about these issues all the time. Mm -hmm. And it requires, it requires you to always be thinking because it's so easy to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. There are so many, I mean, I'll give you a good example. So in the black community, we, we, we created this diet, culturally, um, uh, culturally related diet that we refer to as soul food. Mm -hmm. And where does soul food come from? Soul food comes from the fact that during uh, um, slavery and uh, the Jim Crow era, we, we were not given access to the best foods. Mm -hmm. So we had to be creative and innovative and figure out how do we survive. So we were eating organ meats and other parts of animals that people didn't really even eat. And we were so creative that we turned that into a world-class, internationally <laughs> renowned cuisine. That's right. right. That's, that's, right. That's, that's the genius of black culture. That's right. That's right. And, and then because of that, we were able to... I mean, to the French want to eat some soul food. <laughs> there you go. Right. That's the genius of black culture. And that's why we still are here. That's why we survived, mm -hmm. because of that genius. But now we live in an environment where uh, it is in a sodium-rich environment. Mm -hmm. you, don't need to, you don't need to do anything to get sodium in. You need so, some sodium in your diet, mm -hmm. but you don't need to do anything to get that sodium mm -hmm. because we are in an environment where there is so much sodium around us. Mm -hmm. So the culture has to evolve, right? So we have to keep evolving. It, the culture evolved to help us survive the Middle Passage, slavery, and segregation, Jim Crow segregation. It needs to continue to survive, uh, to evolve, to the threats of today. Yes. And today, the threats are things like that rich mm -hmm. sodium, rich in di um, diet that we eat. The fact that we can't eat that every day. Right. Like, there's nothing. I mean, I live in New Orleans now. Right. So. Right. There's going to be. I mean, some, Thanksgiving is coming, but you know, and Christmas is coming, and, and Easter is coming, but not every day. There's going to be some <laughs> pigtails and sauerkraut, right? And, the, and that's going to be there. And there's nothing wrong with eating that every now and then, mm -hmm. but you can't have a steady diet of that. Right. You know, sugar consumption, eating too much sugar. Right. So I mean, I could just go on and on and on, but I think that what we as health professionals don't do a good enough job of is training people about what is a healthy diet. Because I think people just don't know. Right. And I think we need to get that information out and then people need to be thinking about, okay, let me, what I do today is going to have uh, an impact on what right. my tomorrow will be. As the, as the dean of uh, the School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine at Tul Tulane University, uh, and you have, you know, you have the, 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 in your hands, the shaping of young 
public health professionals, the next generation, you know. Mm -hmm. I want to hear what, what is your vision for the next generation of public health professionals? Mm -hmm. I think the next generation of public health professionals um, as a field, we started out as a field of public health focusing on having an impact on improving health, mm -hmm. not just being scientists or not just mm -hmm. being famous for doing Something. research. Articles. Right. Yeah, articles, <laughs> whatever. Right? And I think we've gotten away from that. Mm -hmm. And the school that I lead has really um, taken a, um, um, had a lot of impact over the years, mm -hmm. mostly outside of this country. Mm -hmm. It's been a global school. It's been focused a lot in Africa and South America. And I'm not saying that we're going to move away. We're not going to pivot away from doing work in Africa and South America. We'll continue to do that. But we will, we will not uh, drive through uh, New Orleans to get to the airport and not be and, right. and drive past the problems That's that we right. see there right. to go to Africa and South America. Right. Right. We have the capacity to do both, mm -hmm. to have a domestic agenda as well as an international agenda, mm -hmm. and that's, that's one of the things that I want to bring to that that's school. That's great. That's great. You know, I, we spent a lot of time in, in, in Africa, 17 years doing work in, in, in seven African countries, and uh, I'm always amazed on how many people over there are just working in the trenches, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, they, and they'll just, like you said, just pass by the neighborhoods and you know, and don't do have don't have no uh, local initiative, mm -hmm. but they are in the villages in, yeah. in Africa, and it's always um, it saddens my heart. You know what I mean? That they would be so um, so committed and dedicated. You know, and I think it's a great thing. I think yeah. it's a great thing that they that we are all over there working in Africa. But you know, we gotta take it home because yeah. for me, home looks just like Africa. You know, uh, looks just like Africa. So I'm excited. Uh, that that's your vision for um, for the next generation. The, yes. Well, can I add one more thing to that vision? The other aspect of the vision is that when you look at the health professions, it's public health, nursing, medicine, mm -hmm. dentistry, you know, there still is, um, there's just not nearly enough African Americans in those professions. Right. There have been, there's been virtually no progress in the last 50 years. Mm. Um, and, no progress uh, in 50 in years. In terms of the numbers of, of yeah. African Americans, the percentage of African Americans yeah. going, going into these professions has not changed in 50 mm -hmm. years. So what do you think and needs to happen to get, them, get, to get more African Americans in these professions? Well, uh, two things. Part of it is a pipeline issue. I mean, there really is an issue there. We need to increase the, uh, and improve the high school graduation rate mm -hmm. and, and, and and have people better prepared to be able to go into those professions. Mm -hmm. That is an issue, but that's been the excuse that's been used forever to, mm -hmm. to justify not doing what we can do. While the, the pipeline is not big, there is a pipeline. There are African Americans that are qualified to go into these professions, and we need to go and get them. And we need to look at how we go about selecting who gets the opportunity to get that kind of training. Mm -hmm. So right now we place a lot of emphasis on how well you did, how well you do in organic chemistry. Mm -hmm. But if you ask any physician how much organic chemistry is involved in being a doctor, and they'll tell you virtually none. Right. Unless you are a researcher, you're not doing any organic chemistry. Mm -hmm. You ask them how much social work is involved in being a, a clinician, and they'll tell you, I do a lot more social work than I do um, organic, organic chemistry. chemistry. Right. So why do we use organic chemistry and why do we use um, standardized test scores mm -hmm. to decide who gets admitted and who doesn't get admitted? That's right. That's so right. 
part of this idea of going into administration and becoming a dean at a, a major school is that I can begin to get involved in those types of issues mm -hmm. and we can start thinking about what's a more comprehensive and relevant mm -hmm. process for selecting students to come into our I, I love it because I tell you I took I had to take organic chemistry three times to pass it yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and then what uh -huh. <laughs> and then what and, yes I think that's uh, you know but let us know however we can help and get the word out um, and, and when I say the word out you know because you know we work with churches you know what I mean yeah, and yeah. if we can get you know churches to to start uh, supporting young people throughout their education, you know, and like we used to do in the old church, mm -hmm. you know, you you were spotted by, by at baptism, you mm -hmm. knew you were going to somebody's college somewhere, yeah. uh -huh. you know, and the church is going to be a part of that, uh, even if they had to, uh, you know, uh, fry some fish and fry some chicken and sell it, mm -hmm. you were going you were going to get there and you were going to stay there once yeah. once yeah. we got you there. You are going to stay there. So thank you so thank you so much. Now, this is my last question. We're talking to Dr. Uh, Valerie Montgomery Rice, President Dean of Morehouse School of Medicine, mm -hmm. and she was talking about uh, she, she was sharing how she got from the dirt roads of Macon, Georgia, mm -hmm. uh, to the Dean of Morehouse School of Medicine. And she was talking about, you know, the same things we were talking about today, access and education and poverty and, you know, how, how she got from where she, that little dirt road to where she is in the ivory tower. How did you get from Brownsville? First of all, you dodged a couple of bullets probably. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get from Brownsville to, to you know, to the, to the, the ivory tower that you that you were in. You know you've been at Georgetown, you've been everywhere, now you're the Dean of Chulia. How, how does that work? How did that, yeah. how did that work for you? Yeah. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a great question, um, and I haven't given a lot of reflection to it, but as, as I, would, I would answer the question by saying a lot of it, I would say, was, comes out of my parents mm -hmm. and the way that I was raised. I was always raised to think bigger than my reality. Mm -hmm. to think that, you know, you may live here, but and you're in an environment where there's not a lot of opportunity, but you need to make the most out of the opportunities you do have. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to grow up in, in Brownsville, in the housing projects, and the neighborhood with the lowest life expectancy in New York, mm -hmm. but I could see out of my bedroom window the World's Trade Center. Mm -hmm. I could see that New York, that Manhattan skyline mm -hmm. right there, and I knew that people were coming from all over the world trying to get there. But for me, that was just a subway ride. And, and I was like, well, you know, that, that thing that is attracting so many people to this country is something that I already have claim to because it's right here in the city where I, where I live. And so I would, dry, I would ride over there. I would sneak on the train, jump over to Churchill and get on the train and go over there and just to see how, how do they live over there and mm -hmm. what's different. And, and what way are they better than us? And what I learned was that they were not better than us. They were just people, people just like just people. us. And the main difference was the opportunity. And so I decided that I needed to figure out how I can use what I had as assets in my home and my community, my church and my family to, to get the opportunities. And it gave me the confidence to be able to compete. 
I hope you've enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Lavise today. It's always exciting talking to this brother. And uh, you can look him up and find all of his papers. I think he's published over 130 articles in scientific journals. He is the, he, he is the bomb for real. So follow him um, because I think we all need to understand the skin we are in. Yep. I hope you're having a fantastic week. Hope you're looking forward to the weekend. It's Thursday and tomorrow is Friday and then it's Saturday and then guess what? It is Sunday morning. But for this day, it's Thursday and it's Dr. P on the pod. See you next week. <laughs>